Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Grape Top Church Online. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. So, we are now in the second week of November. November feels a little bit different than October, right? Already, I feel there's some transitions in a lot of people's lives right now. Um, a lot of people have been telling us, uh, me and Lauren, that this week has been hard. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are going through um, some things. A lot of people are going through transitions. Um, but we are, with all that transition, we're also transitioning to a new series. And our series for this month is Hoping For, Hoping For. And I want to say that this series is really, uh, I would like to say that every series is inspired by God, but I really felt like this series was extra special because I was originally going to do a series on Revelation, Um, uh, arguably a different tone, right, depending on how you look at the book of Revelation, Um, but I really felt like God was leading to this new what is that (laughs) Um, just some uh, yard work right Um, because it's harvest time (laughs) Uh, and so we are going through uh, we're going to be talking about hope a lot this month and today specifically our title is I want to live I want to live it's a big hope for a lot of us if you've ever been desperate I want to live is it could be something overly dramatic or something very serious. And I don't know about everyone's story here, but if you've ever been in a life and death uh, scenario, this idea of I want to live is thinking about right now in this moment. If you've ever been um, uh, starving, like not just like, oh, I'm starving, but like you haven't eaten, if you've been hungry, um, and that idea of like, I need to eat something, I haven't eaten in two days that is I want to live kind of mentality and you're not thinking ahead you're thinking about right now in this moment about surviving and we're gonna look at the life of David in this scenario I always love talking about David he's such an interesting person in the Bible someone that we that's very inspiring someone very relatable because we can see his humanity even though we can also see all of his like glorious things And we're going to look at Samuel chapter 21, starting in verse 10. This is a moment right when David started, uh, had to flee from Saul, King Saul. Saul wanted to kill him, even though David was one of his most loyal soldiers. And he left, he ran away, ran from his home country. Um, And this is where we're picking up. Then David set out and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And this is one of the reasons Saul wanted to kill David. People saw David as so much uh, stronger than Saul that even here they're referencing him as a king, even though he was not. And goes on to say, David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achish, king of Gath. So he disguised his sanity while in their sight 
and acted insanely in their custody. And he scribbled on the doors of the gate and drooled on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, the man is behaving like an insane person. Why do you bring him to me? Do I lack insane people that you have brought this one to behave like an insane person in my presence? Shall this one come into my house? So let's pause here for a moment to understand what's really going on. David, this is like a very smart decision that he makes. And it was a survival moment to where he's literally right now captured, becomes a prisoner of war, especially because they think that he is still a highly uh, revered general for Israel. And so just imagine a foreign enemy capturing a major general and, and what they would do to that person, the, the information they would want to extract, the, the, the torture that they would go through. It would just not be a good scenario. And luckily for David, they didn't have like facial recognition at the time or anything like that. So he starts, uh, he completely lo uh, loses his identity to confuse him and acts like he's just some crazy person. And starts drooling all over the floor, all over himself, is babbling, and just does a really good job, such a convincing job of just seeming like a crazy person they found that the king doesn't even, uh, doesn't even think for a second that it could be David. Because David was such a revered man, such a, such a strong, respected, honorable man, he couldn't even imagine him pretending to behave in this insane way. But see, David was surviving. David was trying to survive, and so he's willing to do anything to make it through that moment. It goes on to say, and uh, going into the next chapter, So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard about it, they went down there to him. Then everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. So this is where the story really gets peculiar because he goes from trying to just like blend into a town to where he's like, that's not going to work. I'm, I'm too well known. And he goes and abandons all society to live in a cave. And eventually, uh, I, I would imagine that he would have to go to the shops here and there to uh, make kind of random connections and eventually people started to hear where he was, the local people. And all of a sudden, while David was just trying to survive, all these people came to him for his help, for, for him to lead them. And this is where we're really going to look at the contrast of some of the distress that we go into. The first point I want us to talk about is I'm surviving. I'm surviving. Living in survival mode causes you to forget who you are. Living in survival mode causes you to forget who you are. And I want us to, to take a step back and, and look at whatever kind of survival we're in. There's, there's, several, there's several different layers of what I mean by survival. It, there's the basic layer of survival where it's like we're literally alive or dead. Like we, this is... Um, our, our nourishment, our safety, our protection physically. But then there's other layers of uh, what I would say is like our, our mental survival. Talking about like extreme trauma or uh, extreme mental duress. What you're 
uh, things that you would stand on in your life, people that you trust and stand on, completely falling out from under you. I mean, I'm talking about extreme major life change and, and not knowing what to do from here. Have you ever had a moment where you felt so emotionally desperate you were willing to do anything? Felt so mentally exhausted you were willing to do anything? And when you go through these extreme circumstances, we often become so desperate to survive that we cling to anything we can as a life raft. And typically, the things easiest and most accessible to grab are the things that can hurt and even humiliate us. For David, his life raft was literally losing himself, losing all respect, losing all honor, and really just becoming this humiliation to survive. When, what I'm talking about for us is that there, sometimes it might be that that addicted drug that we left a long time ago, and if anyone were to find out that we're doing it again, it would humiliate us. I'm, I'm talking about the things that we really don't want to do, but in the past, it's all we knew to do. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And it's in these moments that we are desperate and we get hurt, we get humiliated, and when we're, when we're trying to survive like this, we lose ourselves in this desperation. We lose ourselves in this, des this desperation, trying to cling to anything that could help us survive in this moment. And it's so easy to lose not only ourselves, our personhood, who we are, but it's also very easy to lose our beliefs too as we fight to survive in this moment. We lose our beliefs. We, it's almost like we can't even hold on to our beliefs when we can barely hold on to ourselves. And while some things may help you make it to the next day, when we're talking about survival, it's really just like, I'm surviving. If anyone's ever asked you, hey, how are you doing? I'm surviving. That is like a desperate, like, like my whole life is falling apart. I'm mentally broken and I don't know what to do, but I'm, I'm alive right now because I, I ate three days ago. I was, able to, I was able to sleep after staying up all night, not being able to rest, um, but I eventually passed out. Um, I'm surviving. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And even though that the things that we end up clinging to, the substances we end up clinging to, the wrong people we end up clinging to, to make us feel better right now in this moment, it may help us to make it to the next day. But you need to take a moment to breathe and recognize that you really can't live like that. David humiliated himself to live to the next day, but he couldn't live like that forever. He, he had to make changes. He, he had to figure out how to make it work other than what was easy in that moment. And in the same way, you, we, need, we need to understand that that is what we will become. A, a person drooling all over themselves, not able to, um, to even walk right, talk right, when we cling to the things that hurt us and humiliate us. When we cling to the things that are wrong, that we know that we don't want to do. But because it's easy, we go to it. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And so, 
once we realize that we really can't live like this, even though we've just been trying to make it from one day to the next, we need to take a moment and breathe and look at long term. We can't live. We may be able to survive, but we're not going to be able to live like that. And I urge us to remember your humanity. Remember your humanity. I think this is the, one of the most important parts of this point, is that we are all human. We're all human. And the part that is exceptionally difficult is when we're going through what feels like traumatic and a very difficult time, very difficult circumstances. We're desperate. We're trying to survive. We, we almost make it worse because we don't want to get any help from anyone else. We don't want help from anyone. We just, we're going to figure it out on our own. I'll self-medicate. I'll figure it out myself. I don't need anybody. I'll figure this out. And it's really because we don't want to let anyone in. We feel embarrassed. We, uh, we don't, uh, maybe we don't trust. We don't know really how to reach out. But at the end of the day, we need to understand that we're all human and that we sometimes need to simply reach out for help, whatever that looks like. And the only way we could really reach out for help is also by being transparent. Being transparent to whoever person we can trust, but what we're really going through, and even being so open to say what we've clinged to already, what we were so desperate to survive, what we already did that we may even be embarrassed about. Because if we can find someone that, that we can really trust like that, it's only then that we can start getting real help rather than synthetic help. Just saying that, well, I tried, but it didn't really help. But it's only when we're really transparent that we can find victory. So, and that being said, that means that in trying to survive, you don't have to do this alone. Remember, most of all, through this, is that you can stand on Christ through this storm. No matter what we have clung to, uh, no matter what we have done, what, I, what is most amazing about Christ is his understanding and his mercy. That to where even when we go to things, these, these desperate life rafts that hurt us and humiliate us, that Jesus doesn't rub it in our nose. He doesn't rub it in our face and try to make us feel worse than we already do. But in fact, he will sit there with us even while we're doing something we don't want to do, just so that we don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit's presence will, does not just withhold itself from you because you're not perfect, because you're human. And so it's something that needs to be said. Remember that you can stand with Christ. You can stand with God and that he is not trying to force you to do anything alone. And he's not trying to force you to work things out and then come back to him. That he wants to walk with you through it. Y'all feel what I'm saying? You also need to understand, most of us have very critical self-thoughts. We're, we're super insecure. We're very critical of ourselves. And you need to know that you are more grounded and stronger in your faith than you think you are. And I think this is a really universal statement because every person when going through hard times like this immediately feels like they're too weak. Immediately feels like 
they're, they, they don't have strong enough faith. Everyone thinks like that. But after so many times of counseling people, going through things myself, I've learned that when it's the outside looking in, it's so easy to see people's strengths when they don't see it themselves. And so let that be just a, a, a back tone to whatever we're walking through, that no matter how you feel, no matter what you're thinking about yourself, you are stronger than you think you are. I, I remember hearing this uh, weird experiment of these mice <laughs> that they wanted to see how long mice can tread water. Uh, it's a cruel experiment in a way, but anyway, they, they would get these lab mice and they would put them in a cup of water to see how long they would uh, be able to tread water and survive. And the average time was about, um, uh, I think it was 60 seconds. And so just about a minute and they would start to go down and, and begin to drown. And the scientists would pick them up and they'd give them like a five minute break and put them back in. Well, a very peculiar thing happened the second time. It went from just like 60 seconds to, uh, to 60 hours. It's insane. And what happened is that the mice were no longer afraid that they were gonna drown. And because they, they had this like confidence, they went so much farther beyond what anyone expected. Even the mice themselves were ready to die after 60 seconds. But once they had this unusual confidence, they, they went in this insane amount of time. And I guess I, I wanted to share that to say that it, it doesn't, some, for us, we get knocked down, we think that there's no way I can get back up again. But I, I'm telling you, you, you can do this. You can go so much farther than you think you can. And you, you will make it through this. Y'all feel what I'm saying? If mice could do that, then we should got a chance. <laughs> Let's go to our next point, and that is look around. Look around. And our quote is, don't allow oppression to blind you from new opportunities. Don't allow oppression to blind you from new opportunities. For David... He was in this cave, desperate to survive. He was truly being oppressed by all of the situations and circumstances and people around him. And yet, there is all of this opportunity that literally surrounded him. Hundreds of people that surrounded him. And if he stayed in this, this, this emotion of oppression, this, this state of mind of oppression, there's no way he would have been able to step up as in this new opportunity, this new role. And it's easy to become so fixated on the problems that we're facing that you become unaware to the potential that literally surrounds you. Rather than fantasizing your fears into paralyzing thoughts of what you can't do, take control and refocus to what you can do. I want to uh, unpack that a little bit more. When I say rather than fantasizing your fears into paralyzing thoughts, what, what I mean is when we get these, these big fears in our hearts, in our minds, what we typically do is run them over and over like a hamster wheel. And we make them so much, so much bigger, more extravagant. We give so much glory to these fears that we have. 
And we, we, we don't just stop to like what it could be right now. We take it like further, like my whole life is going to be ruined because of this fear. I'll never be able to do this because of this fear. You see how far we go? And it's literally like, a, like this plant that we just keep watering. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger to where it seems like this uncontrollable tree in the middle of our house that we don't know what to do with. And what I'm saying is that you have control over your thoughts. Not, maybe not like the initial thoughts, like the, those random thoughts that you think like, if anyone knew about this, they would know I'm crazy. I'm talking about the, the ongoing fixation. It, it may not be easy, but you can control your thoughts to not feed those fantasies of fear, to put a stop to it. You, you can have a random thought, accept that you have that thought, and then reject it and, and just say, no, but that, no, that's not going to happen. And if we don't do this, those fears will paralyze us to where even if nothing else happened besides the initial fear, we have already made up our mind about the rest of our lives because of one fear at the moment, even when nothing else changes. And that fear will continue to grow. So instead of thinking about all this that you can't do, take control and refocus to what you can do. Because there is... Things, there are things that we can do right now in our lives in this moment. And every problem typically comes with an opportunity in some way. It takes a sober mind to intentionally put down the fearful thoughts of what if, what if, what if, what if. It takes a sober mind. It takes, a, it takes real intention to put those what ifs down and move on to but God. We have a value that says never assume, never assume a result without adding the power of God to it first. So remember that God can turn things around. He can turn every what if into a but God. And he trades beauty for ashes. He turns the weapons of the enemy back against himself. And so we need to, to remember that God can do it. God is able. And that God is much bigger than our fears. And if we can, the Bible literally tells us to cast our burdens at the cross, to trust him with those, those burdens, those anxieties, those worries. The Bible tells us to trust Jesus with our worries. It, it's not just like this, this imagination. Uh, it's, it's a real thing. And so look around, take off these, these fantasies, of fear and look at the new opportunities that that arise in front of us y'all feel what I'm saying now this goes into our last point and it's simply this stand on top of that grave if you've ever wondered why a grave top church is named grave top it's because we believe that Jesus stands on top of the grave that he's resurrected and we believe that he didn't just die on the cross and raise from the dead to make us bad people into good people, to make us from mean to nice, that truly we were dead in our lives and now we are alive. And that whatever situations we go through, that we stand on top of the grave. And the, our quote for this is simply this, you are resilient and can rise above this. You are resilient. You may not feel like it, but you are. 
and you can rise above this. We are leaving. Da we left off in David's story, going from drooling all over himself, acting like a crazy person just to survive in the moment, moving into a cave, and all of a sudden these people, uh, and, and keep in mind the people that surrounded him, no one else saw opportunity in. People in debt, pe people that were despised, those are the people David had to work with. And he was not, it, from the, un, the unkeen eye, it does not seem like he had the greatest chances of survival. But look as we go into the beginning of his kingship. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3 through 5, At this moment, uh, Saul had been killed by a, an, another army, and David brought up his men who were with him, and each with his household, and they settled in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, It was the men of Jebesh-Gilead who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jebesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed of the Lord, because you have shown the, this kindness to Saul your Lord, and have buried him. So what we see is David not only becomes king, it, through all of his hardships, he was able to overcome and achieve this deep dream that God had given him, this aspiration. He was able to fulfill this mission in becoming king. But he, he came out a better person of refined character through it. It says that he, uh, the very man Saul was the one that was pursuing him, that causing all of his pain. Saul literally was causing every ounce of pain that David had to go through. Leaving his homeland, he was a, a soldier and being ousted from the very country he fought for, risked his life for, being ousted. Every ounce of oppression was formed by Saul. Having to live in a cave, leaving his home, his, his, his beautiful family, all of, everything he had to go through, he had to leave and go through all this uh, surviving and Saul caused it all. And now that he hears that Saul is dead, and he hears about the people that went and buried Saul just out of respect of him being king, and he says to them, may you be blessed because you showed this, this honor to him, the man that caused me every ounce of pain in my life. Do you think that, we, that you would be able to honor somebody that, that honored the person that caused you so much pain? I don't know if I could. I'm like, I don't know why they're doing that. <laughs> I don't know why they got to be all like that. He's not a good king anyway. <laughs> but he shows such refined character, such humility. One would say that the hardships he went through better prepared him and his character for the position he was stepping into. David was one of the very few kings of Israel that lived to his old age to, the, to where he had a, had a succession of his son taking kingship while he was still alive. Almost every other king after that, besides Solomon, that they died and the next king was put in place. They were killed and it was, a, it was just never good and never a nice situation. And David... Was, was probably the old, the, one of the few that lived to his old age, saw his son become king, was able to have peace, 
as king in his later days. He saw so much, and we could see that it was his character that prepared him, the humility that prepared him to be able to do that. If he had stayed in his survival mode, just trying to live from one moment to the next and do, willing to do anything to survive, one, he would have killed Saul when he had the chance in that cave. He would have done a lot of other things if he was just stayed in that survival mode rather than switching his mindset to, no, I need to live beyond this. I need to live right now and I need to live later. He made the best out of the bad hand he was dealt. He made the best out of the bad hand that he was dealt and came out stronger. And I want us to understand that sometimes it is simply that. It is a bad hand that you were given in life at certain points. It is not fair. That's, it is not like a, a special chemistry to it. It's not an equation. It just, that sucks. That was a really bad hand and it's not fair. And it is genuinely harder for you because of this bad hand than it is for somebody else. That was given maybe a good hand. David can identify with that. It was not fair at all. He literally gave everything to Saul, and yet he despised, Saul despised him. It, he was able to take that bad hand and come out stronger. And I want us to all take a moment to resonate in that fact that you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. If you're a believer, you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. The resurrection is in your blood. The power of the resurrection is in your blood. Resilience is a part of your DNA. You may have been knocked down, but you can get back up because you can make it through this. You will come out stronger and you will use this victory to do even greater things in your life. Your story doesn't end here. This is not gonna be the only part of your story, but there's greater things that you'll have in your life. And so I urge you in this moment to fan these flames of hope inside of your soul right now. Even as I'm, I'm, as I'm speaking to you, you're feeling this flutter of this small flame of hope inside of you. And doubt is trying to just really flood that fire out. You feel that hope? You know, maybe things can get better. Maybe th things will work out. And right after that, all of the doubt, all of the fear tries to overcome you. No, things will never work out. No, and not for you though. Not for you. For others, yeah, but not for you. All of these reasons of why not you. Do you not clearly see how that's the enemy? Why not you? And if it is so because of you not being able to, to, to succeed, so much that only you cannot have victory, why is it that everybody else has those thoughts too? Everyone else is, is having all this isolation in their mind thinking that they cannot do it. That only them, but and if you were to incur, if you were to speak to them, you would tell them, "No, God will work things out, just not for me." You would, if someone came to you, you would be able to encourage them, talk them up, pray for them, believe for them. But if it was for you, oh no. 
Do what I said. Get those doubts and throw them out. Don't feed that fantasy because fear and faith are the same thing. Faith is believing what you cannot see. Fear is believing what you cannot see. And so all those fears that you're having, all those doubts, they're not real unless you feed them, unless you truly set your mind on believing them. But rather, you can believe in something else you cannot see, and that is faith. That is hope. It's the very same, the very same equation, except a different nature. So with that being said, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here and you are just being impressed on your heart that God is trying to inspire hope to you. You feel like this message was, was just exactly what you needed to hear. And you know that God is trying to encourage you and speak to you in this moment. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. I see your hands. So right now where you're at, I want you to just talk to God. And just affirm what you're believing in your heart. Because it, it strengthens it, your confidence in this hope by just saying it. Say, just talk to God and say, God, I know that you're speaking to me. And right now in this moment, I'm going to decide to believe. I'm going to choose faith over, over all of these doubts and all of these fears. And I'm going to believe. I, I really want to fan this flame of hope that you've given me. I trust you, God. Have your own conversation with him. And if you're here, and maybe at some point in this message, you're just feeling this inspiration of Jesus in your soul that you need to trust in him as your Savior, as your Lord, maybe for the very first time. Maybe it's been a long time to where you really had that authentic faith. You haven't had that relationship with Jesus in a long time. And... You want to have that today. You want to make a decision today. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. So if that was you, I want you to just have your own conversation with Jesus. Tell him exactly what you're feeling and what you want from him. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you just talk to God and be authentic about it, that that's all it takes to start this relationship with him. You can do that yourself. You don't need me to lead you through it. You can just be genuine and tell God exactly what's on your heart. Tell him what you want to do from here, what you want from him from here. Just tell him you want to trust him. God, I thank you for this moment that you are inspiring hope and courage inside of your people. And I pray that you finish what you started. Fan these flames of hope right now. And I speak victory over every person that's battling something in the name of Jesus. I speak your, your encouragement, your assistance, that you would cause supernatural things to happen in their situation that this week that they would truly see your hand moving in their life and that their faith would just continue to grow as they see these victories in their life, breakthroughs in their life. I thank you, Lord, for turning these ashes that we bring you into something beautiful. 
We trust you. We know that the resurrecting power of Jesus lives in us. And we want to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, we're going to go into a time of worship. But before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you all so much. Have a good life. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.